Hey guys, welcome back to Just a Grown True Crime. I'm your host, Heaven. So, sorry, it's been a rough, like, couple weeks why I haven't uploaded, and I've been really digging into the case that I said I was going to talk to you guys about, and it actually is going to be a part one of part two. If you do remember from the end of the episode when I said we'd be, what we'd be doing after the Skylar Niece case, we are doing the murder of Lacey Peterson and her unborn son Connor I've been researching this case like there's no tomorrow I watched the Hulu series and everything like that just to get like a good overview I've been watching interviews of Scott and just trying to get everything I could find on it so this is going to be the first part and then I'm actually not going to have my kids tomorrow they're actually going to their grandma's so I'm going to upload part two tomorrow. So let's hop right into it. Like I said, we are doing the Lacey Peterson case and a lot to unpack in this first case. So let's get right to it. And strap in guys, because this one is going to be a tough one. Uh, it's just crazy. All right. So before we start, I'm pretty sure everyone's heard of the Lacey Peterson case. People who don't know true crime, I'm pretty sure you've heard of it just like if you don't know true crime. You've heard of Casey Anthony, most people. I had a friend who listened to my who listens to my podcast and she was just like, Who's Casey Anthony? And I'm like, girl, just wait. But we already covered Casey Anthony. She's a monster. Alright. So, Lacey Denise Rocha was her maiden name. Was born on May 4th, May 4th in 1975 in Modesto, California. Her father's name was Dennis Rocha. And her mom's name was Sharon Rocha. I hope I'm pronouncing their last name right. I'm pronouncing it how I spelled and how it sounds like to me but I'm not sure you guys know I'm terrible with last names terrible with words I don't know and I'm not familiar with a big word so Lacey's parents did stay married to each other for like I guess a while I couldn't find how long they were married for but they eventually got divorced and they both remarried and her stepfather's name was Ron Gransky and her stepmom's name was Mo Rose Marie Rocha. Okay. Um, Lacey also, from her parents remarrying, they also had a stepsister and I believe a half brother. I put the her brothers and sisters because I don't like saying half and steps. But the siblings were named Brett Rocha and Amy Rocha. Lacey worked as a substitute teacher, going back just a tiny bit into Lacey's high school um, years a little bit. She went to high school at Thomas Downey High School. Her, her junior year, she was a cheerleader, but after she graduated high school, Lacey then decided to attend California Polytechnic Poly. I think it's at Technic, Technique? No, it's not Technique. Polytechnic? Something. Polytechnic? Polytechnic. We're going to go with that. State University. 
where she majored in ornamental horticulture. I think that's how you pronounce that. Like I said, not good with the big names. So while she went to California State University, Lacey would actually sometimes visit a friend who worked at a restaurant in the Morrow Bay called the Pacific Calf. Pacific Cafe. I don't know why I said calf like that. Like I'm talking about like a baby cow. No, cafe heaven. There... And that is where she had met her best friend, one of her best friend's co-workers. And can anybody guess by the show of the hands, can anybody guess who she met? I'll give you a little bit to think about it. That's right, guys. That is where she met the one and only Scott Peterson. Now, before I go any further into, um, you know, like how they met and stuff, actually am going to get inside the lives of the murderers past and family you know like I always do and that's where we're actually gonna go right now we're actually gonna go into Scott's life boy all right so like I said we're gonna shift from Lacey to Scott and that is where we're going so Scott Peterson was born sorry if you heard that that was my ice maker <laughs> So Scott Peterson was born on October 24th in 1972 in San Diego, California. His father was a businessman and his mother ran a boutique. His parents had six children from their previous relationships and Scott was actually the only child that his mom and his mom and his dad shared together. That's a lot of fucking kids. I mean, ooh. Hey, you know, everybody has their own. Y'all do you. Scott was... Oh, I'm sorry. I just read that. His father stayed in a two-bedroom house in La Jolla. At an early age, he played golf with his father. His love for the game of golf eventually grew. And by the age of 14, he actually could beat his father at golf. How exciting. Scott went to the University of San Diego High School, where he was recognized in the school for his golfing skills. I mean, okay, I didn't think that was a thing, but hey, you never know. It was, you know, 1972. That's when he was born. That's not right. You know, it was early, so who knows? Through a partial golf scholarship, because that is a thing, didn't know that either, he got an admission to join Arizona State University. He then eventually later dropped out of the university after he actually was kicked off of the university golf team due to indecent behavior. Okay, so you know, okay, that, that's a little weird, right? But hey, he then joined a college Kesta he joined Kesta College in California before he then joined the California Polytech State University the one that Lacey went to 
One of his lecturers describes him as a modeled student. After a few years of marriage, he went back. When he got married to Lacey, after a few years, he actually went back to school to finish his senior year in the university. He then later grad he then later graduated with a degree in ag agriculture business in 1998. Okay, so now we're going back to the cafe. All right, and this is where Lacey walked in. She met her co-worker's friend and Lacey was like to her friend hey come here um listen that guy you work with can you know just slip him my number because I really think he's cute all right so the friend being any good friend that she did she was like yeah he's she was probably yeah you know he's a really great person I'll, I'll of course I'll give you his number Lacey like that's what best friends do friends best friends something girl code okay we'll just do it all right immediately after she met Scott she ended up telling her mom that this was the man she was gonna marry she just knew bam I mean good for you Lacey you thinking that he's the one I, that's awesome I wish I thought like that but if I said I you know of all the past relationships I've had if like um a person who I won't mention who I'm very close with, who they said, you know, they dated somebody and they're like, you know, I think this is person's the one. And I'm like, mm, you say that about everyone, but okay. Huh. Scott eventually called Lacey and actually the two began dating. Their first date was a deep sea fishing trip on which Lacey eventually... Not eventually. She unfortunately got seasick, which, I mean, awesome first date, first off. That's awesome. As Lacey's relationship with Scott became more serious, he decided to put, his aside, put aside his dreams of being a professional golfer in order to focus on a business path, which Scott, good move because, you know... Nothing wrong with people being professional golfers. I just don't see, you know, how that pays the bills. But hey, I mean, if you get huge, you know, endorsements, stuff like that, I don't know. Hello, Fresh. Hello. Sponsor me, please. The couple ended up dating for two years and then they eventually moved in together. It is known that Scott, in fact, did have extra marital affairs before they were even married but they never released any names or anything like that they just knew he had multiple affairs i mean before he got married but cheating is still cheating you know i'm sorry let me move real quick after lacy graduated after lacy graduated the couple then got married in sycamore mineral springs resort in St. Louis, Oxbow County's Alvid Valley on August 7th in 1997. So I was like a, I was almost two, I was almost a year old. <laughs> Shout out to me. Then Lacey and Scott decided to open up a sports bar in the San Luis Opso 
area and they decided to call it the shack. Business was initially slow at first, but eventually improved, especially on weekends. You know, that's when they seem to get their most business. Kind of like how my podcasting is, you know. I don't really podcast a lot during the week because I work a full-time job, but I manage it. And then, you know, I do it on weekends because that's sometimes my only free time. So, here we go. Then, in 2000, they actually decided to sell the shack and they moved to Lacey's hometown of Modesto, California to start a family. That is awesome and cute. In October 2000, they purchased a three-bedroom home. A, I'm sorry, they purchased a three, yeah, three-bedroom home, two-bathroom bungalow house for $177,000 on Kovna Avenue in an upscale neighborhood near East La Loma Park. And I believe if I read that right, like she was close, maybe I'm getting my case wrong. I thought she was close to her family, like in that area or something, but I could be wrong. Like I said, Lacey, you know, she was a substitute teacher, but she was part-time a substitute teacher. And then Scott actually got a job at Trade Corp USA, a newly founded um, European fertilizer company in which Scott actually earned a salary of $5,000 a month before taxes which you know in that like the early 2000s I was little so I don't know but I obviously see it like being easier and not like how hard it is like now and stuff like that you know Lacey's family included her mother and her younger sister Related that she was a enthusiast, she was very enthusiastic at being the perfect wife, and she enjoyed cooking and entertaining and everything. And they were like, she just does everything over the top, basically. The family eventually announced that in 2002 that they were pregnant which everybody was super excited they wanted this for Lacey and Scott they were like yeah they're gonna be great parents you know they have a place jobs everything you could ask for eventually they found out they were gonna have a baby boy and the couple decided to name their son Connor which I absolutely love hold on Okay, I thought I heard something. I'm sorry. <laughs> Probably my upstairs neighbors, who's super loud. Um, jumping to November 2002, when Lacey was seven months pregnant, Scott was actually introduced by a friend to a Fresno massage therapist, and her name was Amber Frey, and everybody knows who this person is. So before, like, I want to go further, Amber Frey is going to come back in part two. Um, she's actually going to be one of the key players in this case. And, you know, I just want to talk a little bit about the relationship. Please note that Scott did not tell Amber 
that he was married. In fact, he did tell Amber that he was single and stuff like that. And everything. And after, you know, he said all that, like he was single, that's when they romantically got involved. Amber, prior to meeting Scott, she was actually a single mom to a little girl. Um, she eventually did come forward to police when everything comes out that she was romantically involved with Scott after she found out his wife was missing. I think she um, had a friend at the pol- at, in the police department and she said, was like, hey, you know, I'm talking to this guy, but um, I just want you to run like a background check and stuff on him. And she was like, yeah, okay, I can do that. Like, yeah, what's his name? So she was like, Scott Peterson. You know, she did that, and her friend called her back and was like, hey, you clearly weren't watching the news, and he's married, and they, she's like seven, seven and a half months pregnant, and she's missing, so you need to get your ass down to the police station and tell them everything you need to know. And she was like, well, damn, I did not know that. But don't worry, like I said... We are definitely coming back to Amber because, like, I, she is a huge key story in this thing that we are going to go into deeper into part two. Now, now that we've got Scott's background, we're going to actually hop back to Lacey and Scott. On December 23rd in 2002 at 5.45 p.m., Lacey and Scott had gone to her sister Amy's workplace called Salon Salon, which is just awesome, (laughs) where Amy would cut Scott's hair every month, like she did, um, and, you know, Amy, they were, like, I guess they were just, like, chit-chatting while they were cutting Scott's hair, and Amy, you know, just asked Lacey, hey, do you mind if you pick up a fruit basket she'd ordered for a grandfather, And Lacey was like, yeah, I could totally do that. But then Scott actually jumped in and he was like, you know what, Lacey? Don't even worry about it because I'm going to play golf tomorrow and I'm just going to be in that area anyway so I can just like pick it up for you because you already have so much on your plate. Right? And Lacey was probably like, are you sure? You've never offered that before. But you know what? That's okay. That's perfectly fine with me. So she's like, sure, you can pick up the fruit basket, Scott. First off, I just want to know one thing. Who the fuck golfs on Christmas Eve? Seriously, does does nobody else see anything wrong with that? Like, why are you going golfing? Shouldn't you be spending time with family? I mean, that's what I would do. But alright. Um, I'm actually... I'm actually going to try to get my husband on the podcast because I was telling him a little bit about this story we have two different opinions like on it and everything he from what I've told him like he doesn't think Scott killed his wife like he's like no maybe he's innocent I'm like um okay so I'm actually gonna try to get him on I mean, he's just not into true crime like I am. Like, God love him because he's probably one of my biggest supporters. 
ever, like, in my immediate family. Um, one, my kids are too young, but my oldest will be like, mm-hmm. Mommy, what's your podcast about today? And I'm like, ah, it's about a missing wife. And he's like, oh, okay. I don't really go into much detail then, but my husband, he's probably just like, heaven, shut the fuck up. I don't care. But then I'm like, listen, I know true crime, so it's okay. But I'm going to try to get him on. He was actually supposed to do research, but um, he, yeah, that was like two weeks. That was like a week or two ago, and he hasn't done anything, so no promises. He was okay with getting on the podcast, but he's like, let me do my own research so I can state my facts. And I'm like, okay. So I texted him the case, and I'm like, did you do your research? He's like, no. Yeah, you're too busy on TikTok, Austin. I feel you, because I'm always on TikTok. But, like I said, he's just probably tired of hearing me about talking about my true crime. He's like, just shut up. (laughs) But, yeah, he doesn't think he did it. I... Like, and I can see where he stands, because, like, it's definitely, like, a hard case. And I'm like, okay, sure, I believe he did it, but he's, no. All right. Um, and also, like, when I said about the golfing, like, my husband, my husband said maybe he, maybe it was just, like, a normal thing that he always did. Um, for him just to go golfing or fishing, you know, he said probably just to stay out of his wife's way. He's like, cause you don't like to be bothered when you are cooking or cleaning. I'm like, that's cause you guys sometimes annoy, sometimes you annoy me, Austin. (laughs) No, I love my husband dearly, but sometimes God. (laughs) Um, so he thinks he was just doing it to stay out of his wife's way. I'm like, no, that's still weird. But Hey, everybody can have their thing. Anyway, back to the story. So her mom, Sharon, actually spoke with Lacey on the telephone around 8.30 that evening. Apart from her husband, Scott, the last two people who were known to speak to her before Lacey actually disappeared were her half-sister, Amy, and her mom, Sharon. Scott later told police that he last saw his wife, Lacey, about 8.30, I'm sorry, not 8.30, 9.30 a.m., On December 24th, uh, when he left, okay, so remember how I said he was going to go golfing? He told them on December 24th, he left to go fishing at the Berkeley, Berkeley Marina? I think it's Berkeley, Berkeley, Uh, one of them. Keep in mind, guys, like I said, he did tell a couple people he was going to go golfing that day, but he actually went fishing. We don't know why he just switched plans, which don't get me wrong, you know, people switch plans all the time. I switch plans all the time, but it's just weird in this circumstance. Scott said Lacey actually was watching a cooking television show, which I believe Martha Stewart was on, and she was doing a segment on how to do like the lemon meringue or just meringue, something like that. And then she said she was also preparing to mop the floor, bake cookies, and then walk the family dog to a nearby park. Okay, can we just take a minute, real quick, to notice how much Lacey is doing seven and a half months pregnant? When I was seven months pregnant, I didn't want to do shit. But I did it. I didn't do as much as Lacey over here did because she's superwoman. But I was not going, oh yeah... 
you know, I'm going to do X, Y, Z. No, 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 no. Not for me. No, no. But Lacey, she's killing it. I'm telling you, super woman. Later that day, I'm sorry, not, I mean, yeah, later that day, later that morning, a neighbor named Karen Servaz had found the family dog, a golden retriever who was named Mackenzie, alone outside the home. And she was just thinking that maybe she got out or something. And she actually just returned Mackenzie back to the yard. And she just went about her business. Probably because, you know, it's Christmas Eve. And Karen over here probably has a lot of shit to do too. So she's like, you know what? Lacey's probably busy. They're probably, you know, prepping everything for, you know, Christmas tomorrow. I'll just put the dog in the yard and leave it. Because they didn't live in a bad neighborhood. They lived in an upscale neighborhood in a good area. And, you know, they all probably knew each other, you know. So. Then, at 10.30 a.m., so... I don't think it was much later. What uh, so at ten thirty a.m. is when Karen found Mackenzie. Okay, then another neighbor. Like, yeah, fifteen minutes at ten forty-five a.m. saw the family dog Mackenzie. I'm assuming outside or something. Um, while he was playing catch with his dog. So he still saw the dog outside. And he was like, huh, that's weird. Alright. Scott actually returned to the house later that afternoon to find the house empty. Mind you, on Scott's way home, um, I can read this, like, quote for quote, um, because I found it. He actually left a voicemail to Lacey. Um, I'll read like a bit what I'm pretty sure said, but I couldn't find anywhere. He was like, hey, beautiful. I couldn't pick up the fruit basket for your grandfather. So do you mind picking it up? I know you have so much other shit to do, but I'm just letting you know. I told you mm -hmm. I'd pick up the fruit basket. I didn't pick up the fruit basket. So I'm going to need you to pick it up so he could have it for tomorrow. That's assume how like he, I mean, not in those words, quote by quote. I'm just foreshadowing here, but that's what I think. Like, he said he couldn't pick up the fruit basket, and I was just foreshadowing of, like, how I would say, think he was thinking it, but didn't say it. Okay, a little strange. Why are you going to say you're going to get the fruit basket, and you're not going to go pick it up? Especially if you were close to that place you had to go pick it up, Scott. Hmm? That makes no sense. Anywho. Scott told Lacey's mom, Sharon, that he'd found their dog Mackenzie in their backyard when he returned home, even though she related in her book that he did, in fact, later deny this. Mm -hmm. um, no, Scott said, nope, not true. Definitely did not say that. I didn't even know her mom wrote a book, but I'm about to go look at it on Amazon after I done make this podcast. Yeah, he, he was like, I didn't say that. So, he, I think he got home at like 2.15. So, the first neighbor, Karen, found the dog at 10.30. She was out there the whole time? That's a little strange, don't you think? 
So, if Lacey wasn't in the house, according to Scott, then why was her 1996 Land Rover Discovery SE in the driveway? She's seven and a half months pregnant. She's not going to go that far because it's probably hard for her to walk far distances. And it's probably, actually not probably, it's dangerous. You can't walk that far when you're that far along. So after Scott came home, he noticed that she was missing. And he actually, you want to know what he did? He decided to wash every single piece of clothing he was wearing and eat cold pizza. That's what I do when I walk into my house and notice that my significant other is missing. I'm going, you know what? I was just out. But I'm going to wash every single piece of clothing and I'm going to, um, I'm going to eat some food and not care about my significant other. Don't do that, guys. You come home and your significant other, boyfriend, girlfriend, whoever, grandma, auntie, uncle, and they're live with you and they're gone, call the police. Okay? Because, quote, he said his clothing was wet, which sounds sketchy to me. Even though his wife wasn't home, it's not like he cared because he was in no rush. The clothes, the food, I mean, come on, that's someone who does not care. Scott eventually called his mother-in-law asking if Lacey was actually at her home. And that wasn't around till 5.15 p.m. And she wasn't... And she still wasn't there after he returned home from fishing. So Lacey's mother said, no, she's not here. So, you know, instead of Scott going, okay, I'm going to call the police and think logical. No, he decided to call Lacey's stepfather, Ron Gransky. And he asked if Lacey was there, which is weird because you would think Lacey's mom and stepdad would be in the same place since they're married. So it's kind of weird to call the same people because he's going to be like, probably thinking, no, Scott, you just called her mom. If she said Lacey's not here, why would you call me asking the same question when her mom just told you she was not here? Okay. And like I said, that is very strange to me. Ron actually was the one who called the police to report Lacey missing, not Scott huge red flag all right which guys come on you get home like i said if you notice your spouse or family friend or relative is not there and they're staying with you and their car is there and everything else is there just call 911 it's better to be safe than sorry okay and like i said like i said this i said it's like fucking chris watts to an extent okay these cases have things similar. So the police arrive at the Peterson home and they check around and they notice something oddly strange. Lacey's keys, wallet, and purse were actually in the closet of the house, meaning she didn't go anywhere because she didn't lock the house. So, yeah, Scott, what, what's going on? If she decided to leave right, then why wouldn't she take the things, okay? Even if, you know, she decided to walk somewhere, she would still take her purse, her wallet, has her license, cards, 
and she would take her keys because, you know, to lock up the house. But hey, obviously he was like, no, we don't need to lock the house. I mean, come on now. So they were looking around and they noticed that the table was actually meticulously set for a family dinner, which was the following night because Lacey, they were hosting Christmas dinner at their house. So she laid out the silverware, the plates, the tablecloth. She had everything laid out. So it was done. She didn't have to do that the next day. And like I said, you know, she was super busy and she just probably wanted everything to be perfect. One of the detectives who was there noticed another strange thing um, to me. I'm not sure ever, anyone else like who knows this case, how they, when the detective was like looking, they found a phone book. Okay. And the phone book on the kitchen counter was actually open to a full page for a, an ad for a defense lawyer. I mean, I'm not no rocket science guy, but you know, why would someone just have that random page opened up to a defense lawyer? That makes you look super suspicious. Super suspicious. That's just weird. Scott was actually reported to be completely calm. You know, just cool as a cucumber. Once again, I cannot help but notice the whole thing like Chris Watts was when his wife was missing, minus his like rocking back and forth and stuff like that. But like he was just, and Chris, you know, when they went over to his neighbor's house to look at the surveillance, he was fucking texting Nicole, his mistress, the whole time while the police then were looking at the footage, he was sitting there on his phone. Fucking Scott over here is, yep, okay, she's missing, like, cool as a cucumber. I would be, oh, no. And like I said, guys, these cases are similar in some ways to me. I mean, because we all know I'm obsessed with the Chris Watts case. It's probably not good for my mental health, but, oh, it just fucks with me. I'm sorry. (laughs) Modesto police detectives. John Bueller and Adam Brockini. I think that's how he pronounces his last name, and that is such a cool last name, Brockini. Love that. The lead investigators in the case questioned Scott that evening. Although Scott initially said he was going golfing, he then later told the police he actually had gone fishing for surgeon on the Barkley Marina. And like I said, at two okay, so at two fifteen, he left the message for Lacey, and Scott stated that he went fishing, ninety miles away, from the couple's Modesto home. Detectives immediately launched a search, but they were surprised by Scott's behavior. Bueller told ABC News in two thousand seventeen, "I suspected Scott when I first met him. Didn't mean, didn't it didn't mean he did it." But I was thrown off by his cool, calm demeanor and his lack of questioning. He wasn't, will you call me back? Can I have your cards? What are you guys going to do now? He didn't say anything like that. 
Does it make him guilty to some? Probably. But not to me. I'm sorry. Does it make him guilty to some? Probably not. But to me it does. If you weren't involved in your wife's disappearance, wouldn't you be asking questions about what they're going to do? You would, wouldn't you? Anyway, guys, this is where we're actually going to stop for part one. Part two, we are going to be going through the rest of the case, and there is still a lot to unpack. I'm actually going to bring back Amber Frey and how she, more of her thing when she told the police, and how she um, helped, like, how she talked to Scott, what Scott said to her, and a whole bunch of other stuff. We're going to talk about his trial. We're going to be talking about his fucking appeals that we'll just get into it all, guys. And like I said, that will be up tomorrow because I'm not going to have my kids because they're going to be at their grandma's, which I'm excited about because I never get a break. So I just want a little break and I'm going to sit on the couch and fold laundry and pack their bags. But guys, that is it for me tonight. Check me out on Instagram at just a grown true crime. Send me a Gmail if you want to hear any cases that you request at all lowercase no spaces at just a grown true crime at gmail.com. You can even follow my Facebook group at the same thing as my email and Gmail. Yeah, email and Gmail. Same as my Gmail and Instagram. All lowercase no spaces. Just a grown true crime. This weekend I want to upload. I want to start my YouTube. It's going to be called True Cupcakes and True Crime. Which is very exciting. But I hope you guys keep listening. Thank you for all the love and support. And I will be talking to you guys tomorrow. Bye.